Boat Trader, America's largest boating marketplace, offering easy financing and over 100,000 boat listings to choose from. Sell, find, and finance new or used boats on America's largest boating marketplace. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hey everyone, I want to welcome you all to another episode of the Focus Hunting Podcast. Before we get going with this episode today, I want you to turn this off. Hold on, I know you guys are eager to turn this off, but let me tell you why first. I want you guys to go to YouTube. In that top right corner, you're going to see a little search window. Type in iHunter in that window. Actually, hold on, back up a bit here. First, I want you guys to download the iHunter app. Uh, you guys can pick it up wherever you get your apps. Once you guys download it, I want you to purchase your zone or your zones that you guys hunt in. Then you guys can go to YouTube, type in iHunter, and then click on the tutorial video completed by Mark Steinroos. He's the guy we're going to be talking with on this episode. He created the damn thing, and he's going to bring you up to speed on what the heck we're talking about on this episode. Okay, you guys good? Let's get after it then. Well, this sucks. So I kind of feel like uh, you've been uh, trying to get at this for a while here. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting how a pandemic and a move across country and all those kind of things can can uh, affect scheduling. Yeah, well, that's uh, that's a big move, man. Nova Scotia. Why Nova Scotia? Uh, we we don't have any um, like family out here, but we do have friends out here from a trip we did four years ago. So on my uh, on my son's maternity leave year, um, so my w- wife was uh, off work for the year, so we drove across Canada, stayed in Nova Scotia for eight months, and then drove back across. Um, and we just loved it out here. Like it was just an adventure, and uh, it's just a pretty fantastic place to live if you, um, yeah, as long as you have work uh, wherever you're wherever you're at. So, yeah, well, I um, guess I guess you have that, eh? Yeah, and uh, we're actually we're on a, another mat leave right now. So uh, my third third kid, uh, my daughter Vera, was born in the summer, and uh, we figured kind of same thing let's make use of uh this mat leave year and kind of figure out where we want to land uh long term oh yeah three kids that's uh right on that's a houseful that's what i got over here yeah so yeah it sounded like we we've got a pretty similar uh setup going on in terms of uh work-life balance and all that kind of stuff and um yeah it's uh it's cool to see yeah so how long you guys been planning on the move out to out to the coast uh, actually, extremely short notice. We were um, uh, houses hadn't really been selling in our area of Calgary recently, and with the economy, I was going. We just uh, we were due for a move, and so we listed the house, and it just sold sold imme- immediately uh, within two days. And so we had to make some uh, big decisions, and so we just started looking for where we could uh, get a cool, like a um, yeah, just a nice nice rental place. Um, in a variety of cities we were looking in powell river bc we were looking out here um a few other uh places like nelson uh as well um and you know what the markets are just crazy right now it's really hard to find good uh, accommodations in these awesome places uh, because as more people can work from home uh, more people are making moves like that and and kind of uh, living where they want to be rather than where they need to be for work 
Yeah. Yeah. So did you get any hunting in this fall? Uh, yeah, I did get the fall. And uh, when I say short notice, I mean, really short notice. Like we did the move, uh, we sold the house in December. Uh, so all the se- all of my oh, big yeah. game seasons were pretty much done. And, um, and yeah, we moved out here in like a two week period of time. So, um, yeah, so I did get, uh, I got quite a bit of elk hunting in and a little bit of whitetail hunting. Um, I only uh, connected with the whitetail during rifle season. Uh, basically, first uh, first buck I saw, I took because, uh, you know, I've got three kids at home and one, one of which was a newborn. And I wasn't wanting to, uh, yeah, push my luck in terms of like waiting for the biggest buck or anything like that. So, yeah, I was where happy you, with that. Where do you do your elk hunting? up north uh i have um i have hunted in northern alberta we also have um, a little bit northwest of edmonton as well and then um yeah mostly uh southwest of calgary though um mostly for archery hunting anyways it's uh it's somewhere you can get out in 40 minutes from where i was living in calgary and uh, just make day trips all the time and i, I found that i kind of had to switch to that model once um once the kids were in the picture is just work on figuring out ways that you can hunt close to home and doing a quick day trip. Yeah. Do you, uh, do you use the iHunter app? Uh, occasionally. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so you're a bow hunter as well? Uh, yeah, I, I'm definitely not like, uh, an exceptional bow hunter, but I've been hunting, uh, with archery equipment for maybe eight or nine years. And, uh, yeah, I definitely prefer it. Um, it's, it gives you basically just gives you more, way more time in the field and at, um, different, different distances and, uh, different, strategies at play and it, it you know you always end up closer to animals than than you will with a rifle and um yeah i just like the experience but i yeah. always pick up a rifle once it once it uh switches over to rifle season i'm not like a glutton for punishment or anything yeah my brother lives out in alberta so if he didn't uh he picked up archery hunting when he moved out to alberta um, just because if he didn't he wouldn't get a very long hunting season Part, in parts of the province uh, it triples the time your active hunting season so uh, it's well worth it yeah so what are you going to hunt out, out in nova scotia moose i guess uh there is a little bit of moose hunting in uh, cape breton like the northern part of nova scotia but it is on draw so i don't think i would uh, be getting anything there um, but uh, whitetail hunting is quite good in the area and, oh is that right um, yeah, and actually right where I'm at is kind of, it seems to be, like, I don't know the province that well yet in terms of hunting. I've hunted here uh, a week last time I was out here because I was a non-resident and I could hunt under my friend's uh, host license. But this time I'll be a resident so I can, you know, hunt a full season. Uh, there's bear hunting in the fall and uh, white-tailed deer hunting uh, for the rest of the season. And I think in my area, I think I can uh, take uh, two deer and they can be antlered or antlerless. So there's definitely some opportunities out here. Yeah, you'll get a lot of fishing opportunities out there anyway, I guess. Yeah, that's what I'm I'm hoping. Um, we're still trying to get the lay of the land in terms of where we're uh, going for fishing and stuff. And I, I'm I'm trying to find something, you know, for the family to set up some sort of a uh, camp or or a small cabin or something um, out here so that we can, uh, yeah, experience uh, what what Nova Scotia really has to offer and you know, get a ton, ton of time at, at uh, a lake uh, set up with, you know, we brought our canoe out here and, you know, we can do a lot of day trips to a ton of public land that's out here as well. But um, it would be nice to have something that's just super convenient and easy for the kids to get out um, on a daily basis, at least during the summer. Yeah, well, that's cool, man. I've never been out to the East Coast, but definitely like to make it out there. I know it's got some pretty neat scenery, that's for sure. Yeah, it does. Uh, like we, like I, uh, you know, we coming from uh, Western Alberta and and into BC, um, spending lots of time in BC as well. Like you know, it's uh, it's something to write home about there as well, right? Like it's a pretty exceptional place to live. But I find that everywhere across Canada, it really is. They just all have uh, different things to offer, and um, yeah, just a, a more of a variety than than what you get when you stay in one region. Yeah, I hear you, man. So maybe we should uh, get you to give yourself an introduction so um, the people know who's talking. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we skipped right over that, didn't we? But uh, yeah, my name is Mark Stenners. Um, I run uh, the uh, iHunter app. It's basically mapping software for your phone or for your uh, computer that simplifies or at least summarizes a lot of the regulations uh, regarding hunting in the jurisdiction that you're actually hunting in. So 
Um, you know, we've got province-specific apps or versions of the apps that um, that give you season summaries, uh, give you the ability to kind of replace your GPS um, by, you know, it shows you all the hunting zone boundaries, allows you to drop waypoints with, uh, you know, 40, 40 or 50 different waypoint icons. You can do GPS breadcrumb tracking, just like you would with a handheld GPS. You can cache all of your maps, so you can have a bunch of different satellite-based maps, uh, topographic maps, and you can pre-cache all that stuff ahead of time. And then, like one of the biggest things, I guess, that people use it for in uh, a lot of different regions is uh, for land ownership. Uh, um, just figuring out land ownership, like where is the crown land, where's the uh, huntable public parks, where are there uh, restricted discharge areas um, and you know what are the actual private land property boundaries so we do have options in the app in most provinces and regions um, where you can see you know all that and more uh, level of detail uh, on the maps basically anything we can get our hands on for boundary data restrictions that kind of stuff we have tried to make available in the app and um, and then provided a lot of ways for people to add their own content um, if what we have built in uh doesn't meet their needs the app definitely has a lot of a uh, lot going on for it uh, i don't think we'll get into everything but uh so you're the founder of the app um how long were you messing around with this thing before it kind of uh it kind of became a thing uh well it actually uh like many things in the software world like you get a, a very minimal product um out and out the door and get it out for feedback so i think the uh, the first version of the product I, I worked on for maybe 30 days and um then just got it in front of a bunch of people i actually went out to big box store big box hunting stores and just uh talked to random people in store and approached them with like little postcards and and just discuss the idea with them. And, you know, we got 3,500 users within, you know, the last, the tailing four to six weeks of, of hunting season. So it was started at the beginning of September and, um, you know, we got kind of a half season worth of feedback and it was enough to know that people wanted what we were uh, proposing at the time. And this was just in Alberta. Um, and so, yeah, I actually like quit my job or at least down, uh, went down to a few days a week so that I could uh, continue working there and actually earning a little bit of money and um, start started building out the product. Oh, yeah. When, uh, when, when did this all take place? What year? Uh, this was in uh, 2012. So, um, so you've been doing yeah, it eight, eight, a while, eight or right? nine years. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. So, uh, so were you married at the time when you started the, when you started the iHunter app? Yeah, just married. I guess uh, we married in 2011, um, and had been together for five or six years at that point. So, um, yeah, it was, but I hadn't started a family yet. So it was uh, as I was in the process of quitting my job, uh, and you know, throwing away the stability that we, you know, have have, have been working towards. You know, my first daughter was being born, and then it, it seems kind of like milestones as the kids came. There was always uh, big changes, like we did the Nova Scotia trip out here last time, and now again, and um yeah it's uh nice to kind of correlate that yeah so was your uh was your wife on board when you just when you told her you're gonna quit your day job and and uh be a full-time eye hunter owner yeah i think that she was she trusts me a lot and she um uh you know looking at the the opportunity and just the flexibility that could come with a successful um trial of something like this like you know we didn't have kids yet and um you know when when I first started doing it and by the time that we knew we were having kids um you know it, there was at least promise like we saw that people liked what we were doing and what what we were providing and you know as long as I was able to um solve some of the key problems and be able to expand the app out of like one province and and build more of a business rather than just um, a hobby project. Uh, I think she saw that there was potential there and she trusted my judgment on it. So in 2012, uh, that's quite a while ago. And it's, I mean, things are a lot different than they are today. Was there a lot of competition out there? Like, uh, when you started? Oh, uh, well, there still really isn't a lot in specifically what we're doing in Canada, at least. Um, uh, there, there is some, uh, like in BC, for example, there is a hunt buddy and uh, you know what, they started right around the same time as well. I think that, um, they had started uh, Hunt Buddy BC um, basically the same season as I re released iHunter Alberta. Um, but, you know, it was pretty clear that if you're doing one and you're put putting in the engineering effort into like building a, a product like that, if you can just get 
copies of the other data and do the uh, kind of incremental work of other provinces like why wouldn't you expand and build into other provinces and so you know i started doing that um uh i don't think hunt buddy bc expanded because i think he actually has another job as well like you know i put all my chips into this and um decided to like grow it across the country you started it out in alberta and then where'd you go from there uh, yeah, BC, and then I just started working across the country um, in some order. I can't remember exactly, uh, depending on data availability. So lots of provinces are really awesome about making uh, their data open, and other provinces are really difficult um, to work with. And, you know, slowly we got more and more on board. There's still a few that we're uh, working on. Uh, we, we may add uh, Newfoundland. Um, and I'm not sure if Northwest Territories really needs it, but uh, since we've, we've done the Yukon now, um, there might there is some interest up there. Oh yeah, what about down in the US? Yeah, we have uh, we are down there, or we currently do have apps down there. Uh, we're actually just in the process of discontinuing those um, and just focusing on Canada. And yeah. you know, part of, part of the reason for that is their market down there is really well served. Like they have um, a number of dedicated companies with, uh, you know, 100 plus employees working on products that are just for the U.S. And, um, you know, we've had these products down there, but without spending the the types of marketing dollars kind of required to um, gain traction. Yeah, we, we just weren't going to be competing against big guys like that unless we wanted to go that road as well. And, and that's not... Uh, that's not really what we're shooting for. Like we are shooting for um, a lifestyle business that is awesome for all of us uh, that are working on it um, so that we can uh, have the flexibility that we love and enjoy and uh, be able to focus on family and things like that in addition to running a business. And, um, you know, I don't want to be managing, you know, huge teams. That being said, we did just hire a new um a new developer, uh, somebody that I've worked with for um, 15 plus years on various other projects and just an exceptional uh, guy. So I'm, I'm really excited to have him joining the team. And um, yeah, we should be able to bring some some cool stuff this year. I imagine the United States, it's probably a pretty crowded market. I know iHunter, they're pretty big and they're probably pretty hard to compete with down there. I mean, that's uh, that's that's a pretty big oh, company. I, you, yeah, you said iHunter is pretty big or, down there. Or, well, yeah. I, mean, I meant uh, Onyx, sorry. Yeah, exactly. There's there's a couple down there. Onyx is definitely one of the big ones. And, um, you know, they started in a very similar way to us, like, you know, out of a, out of a garage, a couple guys uh, working together. And they started making paper maps and uh, SD card chips, actually, for, uh, for handheld uh, GPS devices. And I think they switched to the mobile phone stuff uh, kind of the year after, like maybe 2013 or something like that. But... Yeah, there, there is a lot of competition down there and a lot of funding and a lot of, uh, you know, it's big business and um, they do have a bigger market. And quite frankly, Canada is underserved. Like we don't have uh, the level of open open data that the U.S. does uh, for land ownership, for things like that. Um, so we have more, more privacy uh, in a lot of cases, but it makes it quite challenging for hunters to be able to cost effectively find out who owns property and you know the results of that can be opportunistic trespass and poaching when you know for people that aren't able to figure out uh, in a convenient manner how to access a piece of land sometimes people take risks and take liberties and 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 do trespass and I, I think that if we had better tools or better access to data to make that clearer for people you know we could really move the needle on those types of non-intentional or non um nefarious trespass yeah do you ever worry about uh those bigger guys that are down in the states like onyx and that moving up into canada trying to take over your ground yeah like that's something that totally could happen like i mean that's uh that's what competition is you know i think that competition uh is a good thing like we've encountered that here as well like i think the year or two years after i'd released ihunter someone came out with uh, basically, you know, a bit of a clone of it, but called it I Hunt Alberta. And uh, oh, really? <laughs> yeah, and and um, you know, but Great, they, the, the, yeah, exactly. But that that developer he had a reason for that. He um, he also ran the I Fish uh, line of apps, so he was just getting into another market. And you know, I don't blame him for that. Like, I mean, it, it's uh, it's healthy competition. It did really give us a kick in the butt, and. Uh, remind us that like you know we're here to serve our customers and produce the best product that we can and as long as we continue to do that 
Um, I, I hope that you know our existing customers would be loyal to us, or at least just use use the best product um, for them. Ultimately, I, I think that we have a really awesome product. Like I, I think that it stands up with all those other guys. Um, the difference is in the uh, to me, anyways, in the marketing dollars and the um, and the access to data and the size of the team that they want they want to run with, right? Right. Did uh, you've never been approached to to sell iHunter by any of the bigger guys? Uh, not, not from any of those, uh, those specific guys, but yeah, like there've been approaches, but you know, that's not, not something that I'm looking for, uh, to be honest, like we really love running this, got an awesome team. Yeah. It's a great, uh, lifestyle business and provides me a chance to connect with so many awesome people, uh, in the hunting industry and in other industries. It just gives me, it gives you an opportunity to actually have an effect on people. Mm-hmm. because um, the tools do get used by a lot of people. Like I think we've got a hundred thousand active users in Canada and that, that feels pretty good to know that like a product that you've worked on and uh, helped create actually has an effect on people's day-to-day success in hunting. Like it's not a huge role, but it, it can help. No, it's uh, I know what you're saying. I, I mean, I have a business too and it's uh, it's hard to give up something that uh, that you fathered. I mean, you, you just, you know, you put so much hard work and sweat into it. It's just something you don't, you don't let go easy. That's for sure. You mentioned you hired a, a new developer. How many guys you got working over there full-time now? Uh, full-time, this will make us four. I've got three employees and a contractor. Um, and then, you know, we've got a few um, part-time staff that help us out from time to time. Uh, but like the core team has always been or has been for the last four or five years, uh, myself and my brother, Chad. And um, Chad joined me um, yeah, during my last Nova Scotia trip when I was trying to uh, taper back a little bit so that I could, you know, be on more of a paternity leave and actually spend time, uh, a lot more time with the kids. And I just needed help. Right. And he's been, yeah, just exceptional and just uh, hold, holds the whole thing together. Um, he's... Uh, yeah, it's great to have him working with me. And then Eric, like I said, he's um, just a great, uh, great friend and um, unbelievably smart and talented developer that is going to help us a lot. Oh, yeah. Those and guys then, uh, still back out in Alberta? Yeah, th- those guys are in Alberta. And then we do have uh, another um, guy that helps us out whose uh, name is Carlos. And he does a lot of um, data entry and uh, other, other items like that and uh, helps us with a lot of our GIS and mapping. Yeah. So do you guys, uh, well, I guess I imagine you do. I imagine there's a busy season. I imagine the fall, you're, you're pretty swamped. Uh, you guys have to answer daily calls during like the fall hunting season? Yeah. It, like we, we are very seasonal, but it's seasonal for different types of work, I suppose. Uh, the fall, you're right. It, it turns to support a lot. So we get a lot of, luckily we don't get a lot of phone calls because phone calls, they're really difficult to handle and they're not, it's not scalable, right? Like you, you can't have a, a 20 minute conversation with every customer when it's just us doing it Um, so you're you're getting personal service from us but email is always better in terms of actually solving people's problems because it's always repeatable and both of us can see um, or all of us can see kind of the types of problems that are coming in rather than having to get you know summations uh, via like after phone calls and stuff like that so just out of convenience yeah emails uh, are awesome. Uh, we love getting them. Um, but yeah, we get a ton in the fall. And then the rest of the year is when we get the chance to actually review what we did uh, well for the year and what, what we want to work on and improve uh, for the upcoming year. And then it's development time for, uh, you know, six to eight, eight months and uh, trying to get everything polished off for the for the new hunting season. Yeah, I guess it's it's probably a constant chore trying to keep up with the ever changing uh, dynamics of everything. You know. Yeah, exactly. Regulation summaries uh, they change every year, and you've got to uh, process those. It's quite a manual job. And then there's a lot of the it's data updating is the big thing, and um, making sure that you're getting uh, new fresh copies of all of the different types of data and uh, running them through, uh, yeah, getting them into the pipeline to get included into the app. Um, yeah, because that's one thing you guys have in your app too, is the regs that, well, in BC anyway, I mean, I haven't looked at any of the other provinces, but are they all the same? Do you have the, the regs available in every province? Yeah, exactly. So we build in um, like a, an offline version of the regs so that, you know, if you have iHunter, you've got a copy of the full regulations as well. Um, there's also links into other key resources that are online or as PDF uh, resources in the app. So there is like a resources section that you can get to all of that kind of stuff. 
And yeah, we try to package, we're trying to package as many kind of like key resources that you would need either in the field or when you're doing your research at home. Um, you can use the website, which is just web.ihuntrap.com. So you can actually look at it on your laptop and, you know, add waypoints and do drawings and um, plan routes into places uh, online. And then all those waypoints and drawings um, are on your phone uh, later when you're in the field. So are some provinces easier to work with than others? I imagine BC must be a pain in the ass to work with. Just I know what it's like with our regulations and our LEHs and all that. It takes forever for... Timing-wise, it, it can be a challenge, but every every single uh, state or province uh, has timing issues where you know they don't hit deadlines and um, or release things somewhat inconsistently. But you know once you kind of get the idea of when they're going to come out, it's it's more a matter of just spending the time to look over everything and comb through all the changes and, um, you know, update all of the data from there. So we are doing a lot of that manually. It is manually reviewing changes in the documents Oof. and um, identifying things. Yeah, it, it, it's unfortunate, but like that's the only, like when you're doing it for so many, there, it, there isn't any sort of standardized format and how these are put together is more like, how magazines are put together than it is like an official legal document. It's uh, from what I've heard, it's, you know, it's post-it notes from Fish and Wildlife or um, uh, Minister of Natural Resources or whatever the depart department is. And sometimes things are getting yeah, pieced together at the, at the last minute. So um, it can be, yeah, that is a very manual process, but BC in general is actually fantastic to deal with. Um, anytime you have a, a question for conservation, there's always somebody willing to, um, to talk with you about it. And they provide all of their data for free, like without paying licensing fees. Some, some um, areas of the country were paying yeah, multi, multi-thousand dollar contracts every year or Kidding. You figure that would just be all public access. I mean, anybody can get it anyway. I mean, what's the big deal? Yeah, there, but it's different, uh, different private public partnerships where, uh, like, for example, in Ontario, there's a company that does all of the property mapping, like, so the actual boundary data mapping, it's not provincial, it's like a, a private contractor, I guess. Oh, yeah. And so, um, yeah, they do have the rights to then redistribute that data to third parties, uh, you know, for licensing fees. And um, so, you know, we have to build those into our prices. And that's why, like, Ontario's public land subscription is $40 and BC's is $10. Um, yeah, gotcha. We, we try our best to keep our costs as low as we possibly can to the end user. And BC and a lot of other provinces that make everything freely available like it's they're fantastic to work with it's uh, it's great to be able to get that stuff and then we can actually get things to people cost effectively and don't have to charge $40 a year for something and just have to pass on those those fees right. $40 is still pretty good. I mean, probably not going to be too long until these app, like your app replaces the GPS because I don't even use my GPS anymore. I just use I just have my phone. I, I mean, I have my phone. No, I, I agree with you. Yeah, like I agree that uh, $40 a year isn't a ton, but at the same time, uh, people's expectations for what apps do and whatnot, like, you know, you still have to find a like that sweet spot that people people feel that it's valuable enough. I know that our power users, the guys that use it all the time, they would probably pay way, way, way more than that for the features that they actually get out of it. But we, we like the fact that we can make it accessible to pretty much everybody. So even a, a new hunter who's just starting um, getting into hunting, they're already outlay, outlaying so much money to buy uh, equipment and pay for fuel and do all those kinds of things. And what we really want is people to be hunting uh, legally and ethically and um, having access to the information they need. So iHunter presents, you know, a lot of that information, we do the best job we can, but we never uh, suggest that that should be the only thing people are using. Uh, we want all these new hunters to be able to have access to this information, but uh, we also, yeah, we definitely want people to also um, be reading the full regulations document and um, spending time uh, learning from peers. If, if they don't have mentors, it would be like, I'm I'm still supportive of all of that stuff. Like iHunter is not a replacement for the knowledge and camaraderie and and whatnot that we um, that as hunters hopefully we get when we, when we start into uh, this type of hobby or um, lifestyle. 
Yeah, no, I, I know what you mean. It's uh, an app will never replace experience. I get you. So I think I kind of fall into that hardcore user demographic. But uh, what? Uh, where do you find your sales mostly? Just with strictly hunters? Or you guys? Do you have regular Joes? Joes buying this? What about uh, like uh, conservation offers and stuff? Like you find it's very popular with them. Uh, it is very popular with them, but we actually um, like we don't widely advertise this, but we basically try to comp uh, all conservation officers, um, like get them copies, especially for anything that we don't owe, owe royalty fees for. Um, we give for free to uh, officers of any jurisdiction if they uh, yeah, work for the ministry or the Fish and Wildlife Branch or whatnot in that region. Um, and the, the main reason for that is that we want we want professional review of what, what's being offered. And at least in Alberta, like Alberta, it's really taken off. Like it's basically the standard tool that they use. And as a result of that, if there are any mistakes that we make, they get caught very early. If there are any um, discrepancies in the data that the province provides, usually it gets found really early as well. Um, so we, we get that advantage. And then we just get feedback, suggestions for features, mainly just things that that they, they're using it very similar to how hunters are using it. Uh, I, I know a lot of them use it to manage, yeah, manage all of their case info, all that kind of stuff, uh, because they can use it just like we do. You know, you're, you're making notes and scouting areas and, and keeping track of all of that data. And they do that too. We have, yeah, there are all, there is also interest from uh, other business verticals like real estate and a lot of delivery drivers, like rural uh, delivery drivers and emergency response are using it. Uh, we, yeah, we're in a bit of a decision mode here in terms of, um, you know, do we broaden, uh, do we, you know, maybe release other versions of the same type of software, but with a more approachable, um, like non-hunter theme to the data. Catering towards like just the backpackers and hikers and stuff like that, that sort of demographic, people who aren't necessarily interested in uh, hunting. I get you. Yeah, we're definitely, we are getting use from uh, non-hunters uh, in that field, like the rec the rec user hunters and that's that's something i'm kind of okay with to leave the hunt like for serving that market i'm kind of okay with uh leaving it under the iHunter uh brand or 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 whatnot um mm -hmm. honestly a little bit because like yeah we are hunters and and the reason that this exists is is hunting and the reason that uh, our wildlife populations are strong and healthy also is kind of due due to hunting and and it keeps keeps a little bit of the visibility onto the fact that the things that we all enjoy out in the wild we have a, a shared uh shared responsibility for keeping uh keeping those places pristine and well cared for so who came up with the name i hunter uh, i i do think that was myself uh, like i did start it on my own uh i briefly had a uh, i brought in a co-founder and we parted ways amicably only just because i wanted to go full in and he had uh, just gotten a, a you know a really nice day job that he was uh comfortable with so gotcha has he ever called up and asked him to get back in yeah, we've worked together uh, lots since then. Like we, oh yeah, uh, yeah, we do lots of contract work, and um, yeah, everything's all all good that that way. But yeah, he has he's got a really good gig going for himself, and uh, I think he also knows that he is welcome back anytime if he if he's ever interested. So, do you ever get any mugs calling in or emailing in, frustrated that uh, that the spot they've hunted for years, there's now somebody sitting in it? Yeah, there is, uh, there is feedback like that. There's feedback um, about spots being taken. There's feedback from uh, leaseholders. Like in Alberta, there's a leaseholder system where, um, yeah, the, 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 lease, the leasee or the renter of the land from the provincial government, um, they do have some rights to the land and they can restrict access, but they also have to grant reasonable recreational access and they have to field calls and emails and in order to enforce any sort of restriction and so they get inundated with calls especially near to, near to the cities and so we we definitely feel the pain of um like the increased demand on landowner resources or landowner leaseholder type resources i, I think that do hit a little bit of a pain point of um we have a lot of hunters and when hunters do have access to data it's not all uh, sunshine and roses right like it, it 
causes pain points in some of the systems that are currently in place and have been in, in place for a long time. And like, if you know, if, if at, at your fingertips at any time you can identify who owns a parcel of land, that landowner might get a lot more calls than he normally gets. On the flip side, hopefully those, those, pe- those same people that would have um, maybe not been able to get a hold of that person to get a, a definitive answer on access, at least hopefully they're able to uh, more easily and landowners can get their private property res- rights respected. But yeah. yeah, hunters, yeah, hunters as well. Like they might know of these small, tiny parcels of um, kind of hid, hidden or somewhat landlocked, but legally not landlocked parcels of land and can figure out ways into them. Um, and in some cases, uh, unfortunately, you know, what we present in iHunter could be misinterpreted by somebody and think that they can have legal access and they don't. Um, we're not lawyers. We're we're we try to present the data, but like data can also be interpreted incorrectly, and that you know can be mistakes in data and all that kind of stuff. So hopefully it's working for people. And when we do get feedback, we always take it very seriously and investigate um, every issue. And if we have cases where uh, you know people are blaming the app for something, then we obviously we invest investigate that immediately and work with landowners and um, whatnot to confirm that the data that we're presenting matches the records they have so that that there aren't actually any inconsistencies and that the problems that are happening are more interaction problems and and people's choices rather than um, the data that we're like the data and tools that we're giving them we want those to be accurate and you know you can't you can't eliminate conflict yeah yeah, no, I get it. Um, I mean, walking in the backcountry, you often come across, I mean, I've, this has happened to me tons of times. And over the years, you, you're walking in the backcountry and you come across a fence and you never think anything about, about it. You just think, okay, well, somebody put that fence up there. So that's their land on the other side. And it says no trespassing. So that, that must mean uh, that's their land. And then you have access to your app. Um, it clearly shows that, uh, that they're they kind of claimed a little bit more land than they than they legally have. So um, I myself have never had any conflict with um, with a, a landowner, but I know guys who have, and they've just pulled out your app and said, "Hey, well, no, look," and then they kind of just grumble because they know they're in the wrong. So it is very interesting, like when uh, yeah, discrepancies like that can be found. But I do also want to urge people to like um, even in those conflict situations, like to show great respect for those landowners, because there may also be cases where uh, things are incorrect, right? Like the the title mapping system of various provinces are not always correct. Sometimes titles have been transcribed from paper documents and there's manual error and things because properties haven't been sold for, you know, many, many decades or, or in some cases, hundreds of years if they've been through, uh, through a family uh, lineage. So, uh, there could be, there can also be just honest mistakes in terms of um, like a family that's always farmed an area and has always farmed up to a certain amount. And, you know, again, because land hasn't passed through uh, sale, like had had land sales, et cetera, it's never looked into. And so sometimes those kinds of things are honest mistakes and hopefully um, they can be resolved that way. But I know that conflict th- does often arise as a result of um of just visibility into data. Yeah, it's pretty accurate though, man. I don't know. It's so uh, whenever I'm out, it seems to be bang on. One thing I really like is the little blue dot that follows you around wherever you go. I'm guessing this is because all phones have a GPS built into them. Yeah, phones do have a dedicated uh, GPS receiver. So even when you turn your phone um, onto airplane mode, you can still actually get GPS uh, location updates. So it's not tied to cellular, but if you do have uh, your cellular turned on and you have a cellular cellular connection, the the c- cell tower triangulation will speed up the process of getting like a really good fix on your GPS position position because it'll figure out which satellites to be connecting to, etc. So um, it's very similar to having you know any sort of handheld uh, GPS device. Um, the receiver might be a little bit. Uh, smaller so like if you're in like a tight canyon or something like that you might not um, get as good of gps as you would with a dedicated 
device, but it's it's pretty reliable. It's but pretty... you do have to watch the accuracy as well. So um, if you open up the location services tray, it's the second button on the bottom in iHunter. It'll actually tell you the um, current accuracy of your location. Actually, oh, yeah. do we even have that on the main screen now? I can't remember. You know, like I said, I'm a hard, I use this thing all the time. There's so many things on here. I don't even know what they're for, but man. It yeah, well, then we're, <laughs> we're not making it clear enough, obviously. And um, that's that's one of the things we're working on in this off season is a little bit of a, a UI update uh, to make things a little bit clearer as to what, what is available. And then also some additional help help documentation and tutorials. We right. do have tutorials available on the website uh, for a bunch of the advanced features. And we have like a general walkthrough video and things like that. But oh, we yeah, need maybe to do I'll a better check that out. Yeah, definitely. When you first um, open up the app, it does uh, give you that walkthrough video or the option to view it. But you can always get to it in the info button in the app. There's like a link to the FAQ page. And uh, at the bottom of that page are a ton of videos, including the full walkthrough video. Or you can just go to iHunterApp.com and click on FAQ. Yeah, well, I'll check that out uh, for sure. So when I was hunting antelope in uh, Alberta this year, which is a pretty interesting way of hunting, we basically we drove uh, on the roads until we seen a herd of antelope. And then uh, my buddy I was with, he was hosting me. Uh, he'd He'd pull out the iHunter app, check the property and the phone numbers and all that information would come right up on the app. And he would then dial the phone number on the app and call and ask if we could hunt on it. And I, I, that blew me away how easy that was. Is that something coming from Alberta that you felt was a necessity to have? Because I know BC doesn't have that option. Well, first of all, I'll just like clarify what that, um, what that actually is. It's, it's not for private landowners. So that's for leaseholders only. Um, so again, the, the public, public or yeah, the provincial grazing leases in the province are under under a uh, recreational access legislation that um, that means that the leaseholders do have to allow reasonable recreational access as long as there's not a reason preventing them. So there's like a, a few five or six key uh, way reasons why a leaseholder could prevent access, including things like if there's a, a regional fire ban on, if the if they have cattle actively grazing on the field, if they're doing work on the mending fences or something that day they can deny access um, and sometimes they can get other restrictions approved by the minister but in the general case if they want to enforce any of those restrictions they need to also list contact information um, with the province um, and then that's integrated into iHunter so that it's available for people on their devices so they can actually see those boundaries um, while they're in the field uh, because the province does provide uh, a web mapping tool, but it doesn't really work well on mobile devices or, or work well without cell reception and all, all those kind of things. So um, by us being able to provide that as part of our uh, Alberta public lands subscription, uh, yeah, you do get access to the phone numbers for the leaseholders in the province, but not the private landowners. Private landowners, okay. you, you, you can get... Um, individual landowner maps that will show like for like county by county you can purchase land ownership maps and those landowner maps will show who owns the different parcels uh like the quarter sections of land it'll have those uh landowners labeled but you you don't get their their personal phone numbers or anything like that oh yeah gotcha that uh for the guys out in alberta and saskatchewan i imagine it's probably the same that definitely cuts the guesswork and door-to-door work down <laughs> quite a bit yeah like it, it definitely puts more information at your fingertips uh, for good or for bad and like i said there are trade-offs with that and um i although i think that as hunters we would always want that i, I do see that some landowners would be resistant to having um you know their personal information more accessible even though like the the reason that legitimate hunters want that information is to to be respectful and um, be able to ask permission and have like a, a good engagement with the landowner. Um, obviously, yeah, like the the harder it is to get a hold of somebody, the um, usually the worse worst kind of outcome. Yeah, that was one of the major struggles my brother found when moving out to Alberta was uh, finding some place to hunt. Because I mean, here in BC we have ninety four percent public land and. I'm not sure what the numbers are in Alberta, but uh, he found it quite challenging to to find some somewhere to hunt. So, 
Well, it's about uh, 60-40 in Alberta. It's just that if he's in if he's in antelope country, uh, there's all there's very little um, like open range uh, public land. Like there is uh, grazing leases, like we just discussed. Uh, but most of the public public land is you know in the west um, or in the north. Yeah, yeah. No, he's in the, he's in the red deer area. So, um, yeah. but yeah. So you mentioned. Um, you mentioned you guys are constantly working on upgrading the app in the down season. Uh, do you guys keep an eye on what your competitors are coming out with to, uh, to kind of, you know, stay up to date with the, with the advancements in technology? Not really. Uh, like we, we more pay attention to our customers and what people are asking for. Sometimes that uh, is cross pollinated, I guess. Like, you know, if people are seeing, uh, what some of the competitors in the U.S. are delivering, um, and they also want those features. Sometimes they'll write in. There aren't a lot of things that stand out to me. One of them that does, though, is uh, like some of the 3D um, 3D view mapping of some of some other software packages. Uh, there's Fat Maps, which is, I believe, it's just a desktop-based system. It might have a mobile app as well, but the 3D experience that they give um, with texturing of satellite imagery on top of um, 3D models is really good. And I, I, like, I think that it, they do a good job of helping people that hunt in uh, variable terrain areas like the Rocky Mountains, for example. Like I, I do think that it, it helps a lot to be able to visualize those slopes in like a more realistic way. Mm-hmm. Um, I think looking at topo maps, if you're skilled at looking at topo maps and satellite map in combination, because you can do that in iHunter, you can layer a topo map over top of a satellite map and, and see those topo lines, but that's not 3D and it's not the same experience. And you do have to have a different level of skill to read a topo map than you do to look at a 3D model. Yeah. Is that something you guys are looking at, the 3D model? It's something that we're considering, like we've got a number of things on our uh, kind of backlog right now. Um, and, you know, depending on how quickly we can get Eric ramped up and uh, which other, you know, features and uh, improvements that we want to either drop or, or like it's, it's something that we're looking, looking at, but I, I don't know that it's going to be for this next season, but it is like on the roadmap in terms of like features that I do, I, I recognize as being useful. Um, I don't know that they need to be uh, on all platforms, like whether, you know, whether they need to be on the web viewer or the mobile app or both. I'm not really sure uh, of the use case. Like do you really need 3d in the field. Um, yeah. It's, it's hot. That's a tough call because I mean, you're there, right? So you can clearly see there's a hill in front of you. You're walking up it. But I, I do get that, you know, in the right circumstances uh, it could be useful, but I like, I, I guess I do a lot of my research before I'm in the field and then um, I, apply it once I'm out there so I do a lot of pre-scouting and a lot of figuring things out um, digitally just to give myself a a good starting point and then once I'm in the field I'm kind of putting those pieces together and like matching up my uh, my research data with like what what's actually in front of me and trying to piece together or refine a plan I guess at that point yeah um, well and hopefully not while i'm hunting like hopefully you know i've been able to get out for some scouting trips and actually narrow down yeah um, that's what that's, that's what i was just gonna say i mean uh the app is great and all but it it's it's you know you still need your you still need to get out in the field and put your boots on the ground just to understand the landscape because you know you can look at it all day but until you actually get out there things can be a little bit different that's for sure yeah exactly it's useful for things like uh, definitely useful in the field for things like uh, managing trail cameras like i i do that uh, lots and i'll manage my spots based on color so you can color code your waypoint your trail cam waypoint icons to see uh, where you've had trail cams in the past where you actually move them to so you're not I've actually lost trail cams because like I forgot whether I actually moved it somewhere or whether I just thought I moved it somewhere and then whether has somebody stolen it or did I actually move it? I'm not a very good inventory guy on things like that. So Oh man, I've lost uh, I've lost a handful of, of trail cams out in the bush. Just totally, totally I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't even get it. You're like, how the hell can how can I lose it? But uh, you, well, you swear, is, yeah, you, you swear somebody stole it, but you know nobody did. You just lost it. You <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely could be the case. 
Yeah. So uh, earlier you mentioned second and third party software. Now I noticed on your app, you got a small little Google sign down on it. I'm assuming that's because you use Google Earth as your as one of your layers on or I guess the main layer. So is that free access for you guys? Or, or is that something you kind of had to buy off them? Or did you have to get into bed with them with and uh, using their software? Uh, there's two different well, or there's um yeah, so we do have Google as an option for a base map um, on Android phones, uh, Google's uh, web map system, like their component that we use uh, for doing a lot of the web mapping works really well. And that's just included as one of the features as you get to use their satellite maps. Um, but those maps are not uh, cacheable in the in the same sense as some other maps. So we do include some other third party maps that um, uh, that we're allowed to cache and that um, yeah, are useful for people so that they can actually bulk download um, some data so that they actually have that data on their phone when they're when they're in the field without cell reception. The Google Maps um, can, some data does get downloaded and cached, but our software is not in control of how much or uh, when that cache is going to be cleared or, uh, or whatnot. So um, it's a little bit more hit and miss in terms of you might have looked at it in the past, but it might not be there when you have no reception. So if you can use one of the maps that um, the other maps that's listed there that say cacheable, those are just other maps that um, are available. You can also find your own maps. There's, a, there's tons of um, different satellite map providers out there that offer um, WMS or TMS web maps that you can then import into iHunter as your own uh, base map. So yeah, the sky's the limit in terms of what you can put in there. We, we try to pre-populate with a few that are useful that, that we use ourselves. And yeah, I guess there's nothing stopping us from adding a few others, but, um, but yeah, if your question is, uh, do we have to use Google, uh, components and Apple components and third party stuff? Yeah, we do. Cause, um, they do, some of the heavy lifting like it's a huge project on its own for just building all of the kind of app level stuff and the cash related stuff and the uh components to like actually you know run like choose where to get map tiles from and all that kind of stuff but the yeah the compo the base map uh component is provided by um you know apple or google and then there's lots of um software written on top of that to make to make it what it is like I said, I'm not very good with technology and the word cash is something I, it took me forever to figure out. And I don't know why I had such a hard time dealing with it, but it's, it's funny because I'm not the only one who doesn't understand it. Do you think you could maybe simply break it down what cash means? Yeah, for sure. Uh, caching is just like saving remote sources of data um, locally on your phone. So a lot of maps are basically built up of just a bunch of different images that are kind of registered at locations on uh, on the map as a whole. So they're like tiles of images. And so if you're selecting like, you know, a, a giant region of the province to download, um, like to cache or download or pre-download all of the private property boundary lines that are part of the public land subscription for BC, um, you would select that, you would manage the cache and select the region that you wanted to download and uh, select the zoom level at which you would want to download up to. But every zoom level that you go deeper, it takes four times as much memory to save that layer as it did the previous, previous layer. So it, it's a balance between how detailed of a map do you want to download? So what zoom level do you want to go up to uh, for your pre-download and how big of an area? And so the bigger the area, the deeper, deeper the zoom level, if you were trying to download the whole province, it would be gigabytes of data stored on your phone. And so like we, we actually hard limit people to 100 megabytes at a time just because we want people to actually be cognizant of like they can do repeated downloads. They can continually do 100 megabytes at a time, 100 megabytes at a time. But if you just bulk download and try to do the whole province, you're going to totally bog down your phone and you're going to be pissed at us for taking up so much, uh, much space. And it's going to just be, uh, yeah, take a ton of resources to, to serve all that data up to you. But yeah, cache is just like a, like a local copy of a remote resource. But uh, maybe this is too technical, but like, yeah, cache management is one of the hardest problems in any sort of computing software because it's a balance between um, 
you want to do you want to have that resource ready and able to go uh, immediately without having to do any sort of internet access but at the risk that the internet like the remote resource has actually changed and maybe there's more up-to-date data so there's lots of stuff in the background um, that we can do to kind of update the cache or or get new versions um, of data that's already been stored but uh, and we we do do a lot of that in the in the background well you definitely explained it better than i would be able to so <laughs> but maybe there that. is a better maybe there is a better way to explain it like uh offline available or something like that and yeah we're putting thought into all this kind of stuff right now uh cacheable it makes sense to us but and uh, you're right there are lots of people that have questions about it but i don't know if just like the terminology is, is the problem or if we just don't have a good enough help system built in to uh, allow people to kind of discover the answers themselves. Yeah. Well, if anybody asks me now, I'm just going to tell them to watch the damn, uh, the damn introduction video on your, on your webpage. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so do you, uh, you ever mess with paper maps anymore? Cause I still use uh, paper maps a ton. I mean, we're on any hunting trip. I always have the, a paper map of my area in my backpack. I don't know. I, this is one of those things that I don't know if you can ever really replace a, a good paper map. No, I like up until uh, very recently I've had, yeah, a ton of paper maps and I do, um, I do use them for some things. Um, more at home like i would have maps uh, of certain area like of my key hunting areas i would actually put up the wall map at home and uh, i would do some manual uh, markup on that and uh, some phone numbers and things like that even though yeah i, I have most of that data also in iHunter. there's something oh. more tangible about um having it uh yeah right on your wall yeah. I'm current, currently not doing that as I'm in Nova Scotia. I'm trying to figure out all these things. And, and um, basically, I'm trying to build the tools that um, would allow any hunter in my position to kind of find good properties. Um, so I'm not using paper maps out here, but I am trying to solve some kind of big, big uh, land ownership type uh, oh, problems yeah. out here. Yeah, one thing I do with uh, paper maps is I'll take a, a a compass, you know, the compass that have the pencils in it, and I'll scale out like one kilometer, and I'll make a circle around all the roads, back roads maps. Oh yeah. Just just so I don't, because I, I, I like to stay away from the roads, right? So, um, but on your, is that something you guys ever thought about doing? Is is using part of the the back roads maps in your? Uh, yeah. So there's two different. Th- like, do you mean back roads maps, like the back road map yeah. books guys, like that brand? Yeah, they do have a uh, map that's available that we could integrate into the app and and offer it as uh, for sale to the end users. And we've uh, we have discussed that with them. My personal opinion is that I enter already contains everything or that or has all of the options to contain everything um, that they offer uh, currently but it's not all packaged perfectly so like forest service roads for example we don't currently have that as a layer in iHunter but you can go to the open data bc website and you can get the forest service roads uh, wms layer and you can add that into iHunter and add that as a layer Oh, no um, shit, eh? Yeah, so there's lots of, like, we do have some tutorials on how to add your own map layers. And I think we actually even use uh, the Open Data BC site as uh, one of the examples in that video. Um, but yeah, you can add your own map layers. So you can add in um, uh, past forest burns or forest fire uh, areas from past years. Uh, that's data is all available online. You could add in your forest service roads or you could add in uh, flow levels of rivers or you could like, there's kind of an unlimited number, like you could add all the bathymetry data for all of the lakes in BC. Um, There's kind of unlimited things that can be added. And it's more like, we're, I guess we're kind of battling. Do we overwhelm people with just like a ridiculous library of all these things? And we could offer all of those. yeah, and currently we just haven't got there in terms of like fleshing every province uh, out with all of these different data layers, but um, we've provided the tools um, for people to add those if they want to. Yeah, well, I'm going to have to watch the damn tutorial on your webpage then because, uh, man, that's uh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it is something, though, that we're lacking in terms of like, you know, we have some tutorials and, and they do have the basics in there, but like there are some... Yeah, some level of advanced features that are hard to explain and maybe we don't get there. We don't always have it done the best, right? So 
Yeah. So if there's something somebody's struggling with, they can just uh, reach out, email you, and you'll kind of just walk them through it. Yeah, exactly. Email is always the best. And what we're trying to do now is we're kind of packaging up um, some of those common questions and and issues and trying to get answers to them on the FAQ page. And hopefully we can get to a point where we're just we're not uh, answering every every email personally, and we can maybe point some people to uh, the common FAQ answers. One in a option you guys have on the app that I really like is you click on the region you're in and it shows you what you're hunting in that area. That's a pretty great idea. It actually shows you what's open in that area and what you should oh, have yeah. eggs for. Yeah, the season summaries uh, themselves like are, are inverted from what most uh, regulations publish them as. Like even the BC one, it, it will list a specific season like four point bucks uh, or something or whatever it is or antler antlerless mule deer or whatnot, and then it'll list four or five different different zones for that. But we kind of flip that on its head and say no for for region four dash zero two. This is the full list of things that you're able to hunt um, for big game predators, game birds. Um, yeah, because it, most it, people you've narrowed things down to an area or you're actually in an area and that's what you're, you're you care about is what can i do now uh, i thought it was a pretty pretty clever idea uh, yeah that was one of like the the core features when we first started like when we first launched we didn't have um you know all the land ownership type stuff it was a lot more basic it was the wildlife management unit boundaries and season summaries um you know on top of things like sunrise sunset calculators and waypoints and all that kind of stuff but like the yeah the core of the app was season summaries and boundaries how many times do uh do guys come up to you and say man i i had this idea years before you came out with this app how many times you hear that bet quite a bit it happened a couple times at the beginning but i haven't uh i haven't heard it for a while because i think that people have been using it for long enough like it's at that point where yeah um eight or nine years of of usage and a lot of people are just i don't know it seems like people are happy it's a it's around i know that like you said there's some friction with some people because you know maybe it makes it um a little bit too easy for people to you know find these awesome spots to hunt but at the same time you know we gotta we gotta keep people coming into this um this sport or this activity uh if we don't continue to grow numbers or or maintain numbers like it's not going to be good for anybody that does this right yeah man you've been around so you're creeping up on 10 years now yeah it'll be uh 10 years shortly and um yeah i think that's a pretty decent milestone no doubt man um i'm gonna ask you a question here and yet i mean you don't gotta answer but uh do you ever feel guilty that you're you know you're making it too easy on folks uh, yeah like, i get i i understand the that thought um, and the, the only reason i ask is because i you know i i try to introduce the app to some older fellas and they said no way no way that makes it too easy so um, that's the only reason well, i brought it up i still don't find that it's easy i don't know about like maybe they find it easy because that's uh or like they've got a lifetime of knowledge uh built up in them and you know they've got their spots and they've got their um they have put in that work and I, I do see that side of things, but you know, the more and more people that have put in that work and have defined their areas and get upset at people when they encroach and, and um, don't, don't share uh, hunting spots with people. Um, it just makes it harder. It makes it harder for those people. And it, those are the people that we want to, <laughs> to uh, learn about hunting and um, continue doing this activity. Like we want people to join like to continue hunting like it helps all of us um if we have more people that support and agree with hunting and so i i understand the 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 logic there um there but everybody's responsible for like their own um what they become an expert in what they invest their time in and if if people spend less time having to find out where they're legally allowed to hunt or finding a spot hopefully they can spend more time uh, learning how to shoot their gun or their bow or learning, like maybe they could spend their time learning how to use a compass and map. Like, I'm not saying that they're going to, but ultimately I think that it makes, makes, it does make things more convenient for people, uh, which I don't know, like I, I, I can't help but thinking that that's still a good thing because you can spend that time and energy 
uh, solving a, uh, a more difficult problem, right? That's what, what all advancements are, are about. They're reducing one variable so that you can focus on um, uh, mastery of another, I guess. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's all good, man. I mean, I use the app. I don't give a shit what anyone says. I'm going to keep using it. I love it. So, I mean. Well, I use, and let I, me be clear. I enter <laughs> not starting a fire for you uh, if you're trapped overnight or like you still need your, <laughs> you, you need your bushcraft skills. And uh, those are all things like, you know, that hopefully nobody <laughs> is thinking that an app is going to solve. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, I mean, uh, my wife's father, he was, uh, he, he'd give me, he'd give it to me all the time like all the time about, Oh, you don't need all this fancy stuff to go hunt. You just got to man up and do it. And, and all this stuff. And I, you know, I'd always respond, Oh, there was more game back when you were hunting. It was a lot easier and all this stuff. So, uh, but, uh, no, man, it's all, it's all good. It's uh it's a great app. I love it. Uh, like I said, there's, there's just too much great stuff on here. We're never going to be able to go through it all, but, uh, uh, what time is it out there? Uh, it's just after 10 o'clock. So oh, uh, I got, yeah, got a couple couple more hours of uh of work or something to do i i, I got a new uh 3d printer that i'm trying to it's like a laser engraver uh cnc machine and 3d printer so i'm trying to carve out a little bit of time to try to get this thing up and running oh well you're a night owl i'll be in i'm usually in bed by nine o'clock but i get up at 4 a.m so there you go yeah i uh i don't get up at 4 a.m i get up as late <laughs> as possible but with three kids that's pretty early still so yeah I, that's why i get up at 4 a.m yeah exactly i think we're just uh we're just off of opposite ends of the candle doing the exact same thing carving out a few hours to get things actually done <laughs> yeah absolutely but uh, all right man i'm gonna let you go uh it's uh it's been a great chatting here today and uh so where can where can folks find you and uh, the iHunter app and where can we download it? Uh, yeah, you can find iHunter on uh, the Apple App Store or Google Play Store. Um, it's a free download on iOS and then you just purchase the region that you want um, once you've downloaded the app and on Android, there are individual apps that you buy on the store. You can also find it at web.ihunterapp.com. Uh, that's free to use. It's got all your uh, management unit boundaries um, and other iHunter tools that come, come with the base product on mobile. Uh, and then you can decide from there if there's other add-ons that you want to buy, like the public and private land subscription um, or land ownership maps, to, depending on where, where you live. Yeah. Okay, um, man. And then, yeah, just info at ihunterapp.com if you have any questions or need help with anything. Uh, Chad and Chad or I will will get back to you right away. Yeah. Well, I think uh, watch the damn tutorial first. That's what I'm going to do. Try to figure some of this stuff out. But uh, again, it's been uh, it's been great in chatting, and uh, hopefully we can hook up again soon. Yeah, I appreciate uh, the chat, uh, Kevin. Thanks a lot. You believe that? Wow. I guess it's all worth it. Brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern, presented by Abyss Battery. Waypoint TV.